0: Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. This is uh, Mike Lewis with the Fanalytics podcast, and today we are starting a project that is uh, well, it's a project we are incredibly excited about. Something we are calling Fanalytics University. So, as you guys know, I'm a professor at Emory University, so I'll be the instructor for Fanalytics University. Today, I am joined by Doug Battle, who, depending on perspective, is either the co-host for this endeavor or the student. How you doing today, Doug?
1: Hey, I'm doing well, Mike. Let's be real. I am the student here, but I'm excited to be here. I... You know, I'm very interested in the subject, like many of the people listening. And so I hope I'm able to kind of facilitate uh, maybe what some of their questions might be when you're talking.
0: You have to channel the audience. So, uh, and yes. I, I think you're going to be great at it. Great. Um, okay. So, this is class one or episode one of the podcast version of the sports analytics course I teach at Emory University. Whenever I teach a course, I, I think it's important to spend at least a little bit of time with the question of why. So today, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about how I got to this course. I mean, in, in some ways, this is an easy one, right? I mean, a, a class on sports analytics, in some ways, seems like a dream come true to me. Even hmm. I, I've been a professor for twenty years, but I, I can I can remember back to being a student at the University of Illinois in the in the nineteen eighties. And, uh, you know, good Lord, a a class on sports analytics, that would have sounded like paradise compared to, you know, physics, blah, 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 or microeconomics or, you know, whatever (laughs) you have to take.
1: Yeah, I definitely would have been all over that when I was in school and honestly still am now. Um, I know there's a lot of interest in sports business and particularly sports analytics across college campuses but there aren't necessarily a ton of resources available for learning the field. So I'm excited to learn here and I know quite a few folks who would say the same.
0: Okay, so in terms of how I got here, so my, my starting point in all this is that I'm, a, I'm basically a, an analytics guy. So I'm a professor with a background in optimization. Optimization is about making things better, improving things um, right. and statistics. And so you can think of statistics as being about measuring things. So I'm really a, a mathematician in a lot of ways, an applied math guy. I found myself, you know, as, as my career unwinded, being a, an applied math guy that focused on marketing topics. Okay, marketing topics. So things related to how customers were going to behave. But I always had this interest as well in um, in the topic of in the topic of branding. I always thought brands were incredibly powerful entities in in the world um, you know and it really ranged from you know classic consumer consumer goods all the way to politics and and frankly sports so you know that's where I was professionally especially right around the the millennium 2000 I'm also a lifelong sports fan and I, I suspect just about everyone listening to this has a similar story it's just that the location and the time varies so I grew up in Chicago um, Went to Illinois in the 1980s, which which means you can probably predict where a lot of my fandom is centered. I mean, you know, the the Bears teams of the mid-80s, the Super Bowl run with Mike Ditka, Walter Payton, uh, Jim McMahon, Refrigerator Perry. Um, you know, Illinois, the flying Illini of Kendall Gill, Kenny Battle, uh, Ken Norman a couple of years before that, uh, Marcus Liberty. Um and, of course, you know, and this is this is really topical these days, you know, the Michael Jordan Bulls teams of the, the late 80s, early and even mid 90s. So with that as background in terms of the toolkit and in terms of interests, you know, I find myself working as a, as a professor and spending a lot of time analyzing customer behavior. And, you know, take a second there to think about what that is. That's analyzing human behavior, analyzing what consumers do is really just one type of behavior but it's something we all we all do now a lot of marketing professors i'll be a little bit brutal in my field (laughs) spend their careers analyzing how consumers behave in terms of purchasing things like yogurt and crackers
1: canned tuna fish that's definitely what i think of when i think of a marketing (laughs) professor
0: well and it's is it also what you think of in terms of how do you get to sports analytics? You know, pro- probably not.
1: No. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> but but looking at some of that stuff is like, you know, you, you you do this stuff for a decade and you have to, you know, you got to find ways to keep yourself interested. And so what I was really doing sitting there and I've been at the University of Florida, WashU in St. Louis and now at Emory University, trying to figure out a way to make my career interesting. And so it's really, I think the classic way to do that is to combine your your hobbies with your jobs, right? So how do I take sports, and how do I layer that onto the the analytical skills? And frankly, it's actually kind of a a pretty clean fit. As I started to, you know, want to make this transition to being more about sports analytics, sports business, um, I'll I'll tell you guys, and, and you know, just give you a little bit of flavor for. Some of the places we'll go in the class. The very first project I wanted to do was to look at uh, to look at where college basketball players should go to school. And, and mm-hmm. I mentioned I was in Illinois, and, and so you can almost imagine if you're an Illinois guy, you are very used to the top players out of Chicago not going down to Champaign, but rather going to Lexington, Kentucky, or mm-hmm. going to uh, you know co- play for Coach K at, at Duke. Right and so I actually started going down the path of trying to gather data and figure out what was actually the best approach for a player and to be the big fish in the small pond at Illinois, you know, the advantages of having the ball in your hand every day from when you're a freshman, you know, think D Brown, for those of you that really want to track back where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. uh, versus sitting on a bench at Duke, like, uh, well, I'll leave it to the audience to look up who was the other point guard that came out of Chicago the same year as D Brown. Um, that, that project didn't go so far. You know, data collection ended up being a bit of a challenge. Uh, but, you know, in the course of sort of looking around, I ended up publishing a paper related to competitive balance in Major League Baseball and the role of revenue sharing and, and the lack of salary caps. And that really is what, Started the transition away from classic marketing to more of a sports marketing and sports analytics approach. Mm-hmm. The, the next stage in this was to form a course. And this is where, you know, I know a lot of folks out there love the idea of being a professor. This is where it gets really cool, right? You can work on the research topics you're interested in. You can also formulate courses that you want to, until you think about this, it's an opportunity for me to talk to 50 or 60 students about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, right? It's it's the ultimate win-win situation. It's also something where, you know, when we originally formulated the course, and I'll say we, I I co-taught the course for a couple of years at the beginning. Another professor and I, there was this great opportunity to invite all sorts of people. And so, you know, we've had... Presidents of teams in the class, general managers, you know, the guys in charge of things like player personnel. I feel like we've had almost all of Atlanta sports come through the class. And it's opened up some truly amazing opportunities and experiences. Everything from, you know, being able to consult with uh, teams in terms of thinking about how much their brands are worth to, actually assisting with a, a couple of clubs, in fact, on draft analytics. So building mm. models to predict how players are going to perform when they go from one level to the next level. So it has become very much this this passion project. Um, and so that leads us to today, which is the idea of, you know, can we take this course? And, I, and I'm going to you know pat myself on, on the back a couple times and sort of plug what's distinctive about it. This fairly unique course, which encompasses both you know, on-field player analytics, as well as the business side, and can we take it to a larger audience? And that's the point where we're at today. The question becomes, you know, how can we how can we take it to this audience? And what we've decided to do, as a, I think, very much a beta test on this, is that we're going to do it as a podcast version. So that's the wordy preamble in terms of how we got to today. Right. Last thing I would say, you know, when we're talking about why we do the course, the motivation, the other thing I'll, I always tell classes on campus, and I'll tell you guys this, this is a class that's sort of about, it's actually a very general course. When we talk sports analytics and sports business analytics, we're talking about lessons that have application to a pretty wide ranging set of topics. Mm. I think of this as this is a course on people analytics, you know, so we'll spend some time thinking about how to measure individual performance, how to influence individual performance to make it better, right? This idea of optimization all the time, thinking about the big picture in terms of, you know, when we're trying to improve human performance, it's likely because we've got some other, let's say organizational or, or business goals. So when I teach this class at Emory, this is a course on people analytics that just happens to be wrapped up in the candy coating of sports.
1: Yeah, it seems like, you know, a lot of people would use, or I guess like in your experience, you got into the sports side of things through marketing. Um, but at the same time, it seems like you can use sports and how decisions are made to teach business in the same way. Well,
0: you know, to teach business. And to teach even beyond business, right? I mean, you know, folks are gonna go take a lot of different paths in this world. You know, maybe the business world doesn't sound great to you, maybe you wanna be in nonprofits, maybe you wanna be in government, maybe you wanna be in politics. I think this basic idea of you know, a set of tools that relates to Mm. well, from predicting performance, improving performance, how do you position data and analytics to get decision makers to make the right calls incredibly general topic but the the key and I think I, I liked where you were going with that Doug the key is and, and something that I think about when I when I teach this class is what's really great about teaching this from the sports analytics perspective is the some of the examples we get to use right while the standard mm-hmm. professor is giving an example of like you know they're talking about how to sell more dish soap we're talking about how to make the right call in terms of where Tom Brady should go play football post his Patriots career Okay. You know, when, when I think about this course, when I think about it in my head, what is this course about? I tend to start from a very high level perspective. And in terms of the, the sports analytics courses that exist, I suspect often they sort of come from the ground up where they're focused on sort of micro level forecasting models hmm. or uh, decision support kind of techniques. My starting point is this idea that organizations should be designed to create valuable, lifelong fans. So from an organizational perspective, as high a level perspective as is appropriate. So the organizations can be the leagues. They can be the teams. Now... You know my starting point on something like this, and I I can't help it, right? We're all we're all prisoners of our background, and we'll come back to that issue at a later time in the class. Is when I think about this idea of creating lifelong fans, I can't help but say, well, this is kind of a marketing question, right? So how do you create lifelong consumers? And some of this in the world of sports can, of course, be done via marketing. You know, creating great experiences. Um, though of course in the COVID-19 world what customer experiences or fan experiences look like is really kind of a topic for a full course in and of itself Uh, having great food but the interesting thing about doing this in terms of sports is that this is an industry where the marketing well you know and I'll you know ask you a quick question Doug you play the role of the student how much of how much of the marketing that your teams that you root for do? How much of that does
1: that affect your fandom? My fandom. Maybe you don't.
0: Even, maybe you don't even think about it, right?
1: Yeah, it's really not something I think about. I tend to think about the players and, and the decisions that general managers making, that type of thing. Um, but I know, like, I'm a big uniform guy, you know, and I like I like that they look good, and I like yeah. I like it being kind of a clean package that I feel like, you know, is professional and something I'm proud to be a part of in a way, even though I'm not necessarily part of the organization.
0: Okay. And so that's a great kind of response slash, not really a question, but a great response in terms of the role of marketing. Some marketing matters, right? So mm-hmm. you, you like cool uniforms and that that's completely that's completely valid. That's That's part of the experience. But overwhelmingly, I think what matters, what builds fan passion, what builds fan loyalty, is the performance of the team, the performance of the players. Absolutely. So my starting point for this, for when I put a course together, and especially this course, is to start with the end goal in mind. And in the sports context, the end goal for me, and this is going to sound a little bit funny because I think most sports fans would say, well, the end goal is to win championships. I'm going to come at this from a little bit of a different perspective. And that's that the end goal is to create valuable, lifelong fans, right? In some ways, it's the same goal, right? And so if fandom is really developed by the stuff that the the organizations do in terms of customer experience management, you know, having a great facility, having great food, you know, that, that stuff might matter a little bit. But in general, what creates lifelong fans are organizations that are able to, you know, frankly, win championships, mm. uh, that have players that have Hall of Fame careers, to essentially teams that are able to create the great moments, the great stories that I- inspire fans to, you know, not just watch the teams, but in fact, in fact, love the teams. So I think one way to look at what I'm, how I approach this topic, is that. You know, if the end goal of the organization is to create these lifelong passionate fans, that in this case, the primary marketing that does that is related to, you know, not the traditional elements of things like advertising, but it is related to the product that is put on the field. Mm -hmm. I think this stuff all kind of comes back to this basic notion that the product you put on the field, which, you know, frankly, this is where the sports analytics piece comes into it. The product you put on the field is what creates the product that the consumers, that the fans watch, that they share. It is the core of the whole sports enterprise. Mm. Okay, so what what we're going to do in this course is, as I mentioned, this is a podcast version of the course I teach at the Goizueta School of Business at Emory University. It's going to be a different form of the course, of course, since we're... um, since we're translating what has traditionally happened in a classroom setting to a podcast world, there's going to have to be some changes made, right? I mean, you know, I assume that everyone listening has been in school. The vast majority of folks have been in college. Teaching tends to be a very visual, uh, a very visual performing art. We might even say where there's there's slides, there's uh, video that is dropped in. There are guest speakers. So the the challenge here is how do we take the essence of that course and put it in a format that frankly a lot of folks are going to consume on their commute to work or while they're working out in the gym. So this is going to be very much a work in progress. This is uh, you can think of this as a beta version of of moving this course to a digital format. But what we're going to try and do is uh, well it's going to be a seven class sequence. Today is the first class calling today's class preliminaries you know this is about motivating the course giving you some background of myself and Doug giving you the big picture so that we can roll into then classes that will give you a call it a 30,000 foot or whatever whatever description you want this very high level approach to sports analytics so after today's class, we will start to really roll into the topic. So in some ways you can think of today as that first day of class where mostly the teacher just goes over, introduces themselves, the TA, and then uh, goes over the syllabus. In class two, what we're going to talk about is what I call a framework for analytics or for thinking about fandom. This is uh, basically going to give you guys a structure for how I think about the material. I've already said that when I tend to think about sports analytics, I tend to think about it from the big picture. So what we're going to do is think about it from the big picture and how can we take uh, the topic and put it into sort of more neat or discrete buckets just to you know make our thinking more structured and more organized. Uh, from there, we will go into, well, call it Class 3, The Nature of Fandom. This will be the fundamentals of how, well, of how consumers behave and how consumers operate. But since we're gonna be in the context of sports, it will be how fans operate. So we'll, we'll spend time talking about the psychology of fans. We'll spend a little bit of time talking about the sociology of fan communities. It's important material because this is, uh, I think it, it's always nice to start with the end in mind. So we start with, we, we think about how our ultimate objective of creating these lifelong fans well, what is it that the fans are looking for? So, what can the organization do to accomplish that? So, once we cover the basics of fan psychology and fan sociology, you know, so we, we're really established in terms of who our audience is. Uh, who we are trying to create a product for. In class four, we'll start to dig into the analytics of how we make better products. So we'll call advanced, we'll call class four advanced statistics. This is going to be kind of the backdrop for the, the classic story. And I think everyone listening to this, to this series knows of moneyball with the Oakland A's. Right. What the A's were really about was using statistics to identify undervalued players. A big part of this is finding statistics that are more highly correlated with winning than they are with salary. So in, in class 4, we'll spend time talking about, well, how do you construct these statistics? What should you look for? What are the dangers? What are the opportunities? In class 5, will switch gears from a focus on player statistics, player decisions, to in-game decision-making. I, I think this is one of those topics that everyone associated with sports loves, right? Mm-hmm. This this classic question, and, and, and every sports has them, right? And so in, in football, for example, uh when should you go for two, Doug? You don't have to answer that, right? Because it's a, it's a complicated question. Well,
1: there's an argument for every time, uh, but there's also okay. there's also an argument for never or only when you're down by two.
0: Okay, and so this is good. So it's like you know, Doug's coming at this with the perspective of the student or the fan, and he's already been influenced to these kind of questions, right? So when should you go for two in football? When should you punt versus going for the the first down? Mm-hmm. But you, we can come up with examples across all sports. How about in hockey? What's, what's the, what do you think the classic decision problem is in hockey, Doug?
1: Oh, man. Cold <laughs> calling. In hockey, the classic decision. I don't know, when to pull the goalie?
0: Exactly. When to pull the goalie. In baseball, can you think of any of these kind of classic uh, binary
1: decisions? Um, I mean, when to steal, when to bunt, when, when to walk, walk a player. There's yeah. so many in baseball that just come to mind immediately.
0: And that's that, That's sort of an excellent point and kind of a nice background to this whole world of sports analytics and sports statistics, why so much of this came out of the world of baseball. I tend to think that the classic problem and the one that we'll cover in the class will be the, the question of how do you decide whether or not to do a sacrifice bunt to move a player from first base to second base and absorb an out? But you're right, you know, baseball is full of these discrete decisions of do we walk this guy? Do we do the intentional walk? Should he try and steal a base?
1: Yeah, and the only person that is right on this is the fan, pretty much. Because if you watch a game with anybody, um, it's like a coach really can do nothing right. They get no credit when they make the right decision, but when they make the wrong one, everyone knows what to do except for that coach, and he's a buffoon.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, that's what makes this topic so much, uh, so much fun to teach and so much uh, fun to talk about. Right. That we are in in some ways in sports analytics, what we are doing is we are bringing statistics to these classic arguments that might occur in the stands. You might also think it's like these classic kind of bar arguments of Mm -hmm. what what decisions should be made. Now we're bringing data to that. Now in class 6 and we're going to call this class analytics and decision biases so classes 4 and 5 are about the mathematics of coming up with you know coming up with data or coming up with numbers that point in a certain direction right you should draft this player or you should do the sacrifice bunt in this kind of situation that stuff is all well and good but one of the things we as analytics folks that we always have to realize is there's limits in terms of how good our models are. On the other side of it, you know, we're we're giving our model outputs to decision makers who are responsible for the whole organization. You know, their their careers are on the line based on who they draft or whether or not they win a game or in quotes i will say how they lose a game. So, you know, part of this profession has got to be understanding sort of the interplay between a human decision maker and the decision support or analytics that occurs in the background. So I think class six is incredibly important and incredibly uh, sort of gets at some real nuanced aspects of sports analytics. In class seven, we will swing back to the marketing side, to the side, to the issue of fan loyalty and i'll introduce a topic called brand equity which is a marketing term so what we'll do in that class is we'll take a look at how well we'll get to sort of the fundamentals of kind of the, this overarching goal right of how do you measure fan loyalty how do you measure brand equity in the case of sports um this is also again, you know and you know Every topic is of incredible importance, right? We only have we only have eight classes in the sequence. This one is incredibly important because this starts to get us to that end, that end goal. Our, our goal mm-hmm. is to create valuable franchises, valuable brands like the Lakers or the Knicks or the Cowboys or the Steelers. To really understand how to do that, we've got to be able to measure how much these team fan relationships are worth. And then on the back end, be able to do some analytics to point to how you actually got there. So measurement of fan equity is what I'll call it. And then back end statistical analyses to get at, well, how much of the fan equity of the Lakers is due to the championships they've won? How much of the, and you know I even did this analysis years ago, and I'm not sure how much you'll like this, Doug, being a Georgia guy. Uh -uh. How much is uh, Tim Tebow's Heisman Trophy worth to the University of Florida, for example.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> that, one's, that one's okay. I'm not too much of a Tim hater. But um, going back to class seven, it really seems like this one is where the analytics and the sports analytics side of things kind of marries with the marketing side in the way that I wouldn't have really expected it to before.
0: And that is, you know, if, if there's a differentiating piece of this class, that, that gets to the core of it is that rather than have, let's say, one course on sports marketing and one course on sports analytics, where the sports analytics course is just focused on human performance and in-game statistics, I think it's useful to look at this as a whole, right? Never forget what the end goal is. And so that's, look, it's it's an ambitious, it's an ambitious uh, approach to this, but you're dead on in terms of what we're trying to achieve is to be able to sort of have this clear link between what happens on the field and what happens in the marketplace. Then in the last class, and this is one of my, um, so so I'll say that while some of these other topics are of incredible importance to understanding sports analytics, the last class is truly something that I'm passionate about and sort of just love in terms of uh, you know, in, in terms of my fandom, and this is something I call league structure and competitive balance. So, in the final class, we'll take a look at how the rules of any given league, and and in this case, I, I should I should be very clear about this. When I talk about the rules of a league, I'm talking about things like the collective the collective bargaining agreement. So how okay. so how does free agency work in a league? How does revenue sharing work in a league? How does the inflow of talent via things like, you know, amateur drafts, how are those things set up? Because I think how you structure a league goes a long way in terms of creating the incentives that cause teams to operate how they're going to, right? So in the last class, we'll take this step back and, and you know, kind of try and put this all together from Truly the 30,000 foot view of when you organize a league, according to principles A, B and C, you create the incentives that lead to the kind of competition you see on the field.
1: Yeah, that that makes sense. One example that comes to mind um, immediately is for the longest time, I remember playing like 2K and I would turn off the salary cap as a kid. Um, because it was just confusing and it, it made everything. But you would make moves and teams would make moves that um, they wouldn't otherwise because there are rules in play and there's sometimes things that don't make sense to the casual fan where they don't understand the salary and the future salary money that's being saved and things of that nature. And so I do think that's crucial to, to understanding decision-making in sports.
0: Salary caps, I, I, like, I like and I don't like that you brought that up, Doug. Um, okay. What what I like about it is that I think when you get to the issue of salary caps, you're coming again full circle to the notion that sports analytics is part of the sports business. That where, where this field is about is identifying essentially not not the best players, right? I mean, you take any league and you can easily identify the best players. What it's about is identifying the most efficient players, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the I, best the best value too. I mean, you got to take into consideration the cost.
0: Right. So the best sort of bang for your buck. Right. And so what I'm trying to do with this sort of very broad view of sports analytics of not just being about, you know, working for the general manager in terms of trying to identify the best players, right? Mm-hmm. Is trying to identify trying to give an overall structure where analytics fits into the business where our goal will always be to essentially identify the most efficient, the most value-oriented players um, that are going to help us get the best results in terms of winning, which creates the stories, which creates the fans, which is the ultimate goal of any franchise.
1: Okay, so that's what you like. What do you not like about what I just said?
0: What I don't like about it is that It makes me feel like I need to do more than just an eight-class podcast. It it makes me feel like I need to develop a full sports analytics curriculum for this podcast, where there's a class that is explicitly focused on the fan, another one that's explicitly focused on in-game decisions, and then another one that actually starts to bring into the finance side of it. So it's one of these really kind of interesting topics that... Just highlights how far you can potentially take this stuff, right? So it's not just uh, enough to, you know, do the statistics, but now we got to do the statistics while we've got the financial constraints in terms of the salary caps. I mean, you know, you think about how complicated this stuff gets, right? Um, right. Where let, let's say we're imagining we're drafting a player. Now it's not just a matter of picking the best player that fits into our team now we're also concerned with how much of our salary cap that player is going to absorb for the next few years and on top of that we're also concerned by the fact that when are we going to lose this player um you know are we going to be able to pay this guy when he comes to free agent time so i I love salary cap stuff it's just that that starts to take this into too many different kind of too many interesting directions Okay, so thus far, hopefully we've given you guys a, a bit of a feel for why we're doing this class, why it's important, and then uh, some of the structure that we're going to use to execute the vision. Okay? The other thing that I want to accomplish today is related to the infrastructure of all this. So the who are the folks behind this? What are our backgrounds? How are we going to deliver the material? The nitty gritty details. Okay, so my name is Mike Lewis. I'm a professor in the the marketing group at the Goizueta School of Business at Emory. As I mentioned, you know my background is very much uh, analytics heavy. Uh, a lot of training in statistics. A lot of a uh, lot of experience in optimization. So, you know, I'll be your professor for the course. Um, you're, uh, you know, I'll be the academic side of this of this equation. In addition to being a professor at Emory, I'm also the faculty director of the Marketing Analytics Center. The Analytics Center is important to this story because the Analytics Center is a focal point. It's a means for connecting Emory and researchers like myself with the broader community. So as, as we've moved into this strange new world of COVID-19, one of the things I've wanted to do is to explore taking some of this course content or some of the research content and developing uh, you know developing a podcast series, a podcast based course, and having the Emory Marketing Analytics Center sponsored and and put it out there for us. Now, a podcast version of a course is a different kind of beast. And this is something that we're we're definitely looking for feedback from you guys on. We're doing this in a format where we're, we're losing so much of the visual element. So in terms of how we're going to work this, we're going to work this as a combination of technologies. So the podcast will be the core. But in addition to it, we will distribute a lot of the elements. We will try and have essentially kind of student discussions via blog. What's the blog, Doug?
1: Fanalytics with MikeLewis.com.
0: Okay, and so that will be the that will be the, the other sort of backbone structure to this. So, for example, you know, for most classes, we'll put a couple of PowerPoint slides out there or pictures of PowerPoint slides. We'll have a little bit of you know paragraph or two that talks about some of the key elements of each class. Uh, this is where we'll actually deliver a uh, an assignment or two. You know, nothing onerous, nothing difficult. But that will be our primary means of communicating with you guys. That will be the place where you guys can talk back at us. Then, of course, we've also, and, and Doug's been chiming in today. We've got uh, we've got Doug Battle, who will play the role of the student. What's your actual title, Doug?
1: I am technically the communication specialist for the marketing analytics center at Okay. Murray.
0: So Doug's role in this is he's gonna. Doug's actually gonna be too modest. Doug's gonna be wearing multiple hats and all this. He is the communications person. So Doug will be the person uh, that's going to produce the podcast. He's going to
1: edit this down to... I'll edit it down to what you're actually hearing.
0: <laughs> so Doug will edit the podcast. <laughs> Doug will help with the promotion in terms of distributing it. But, you know, for your purposes, Doug's primary goal, role in this is to be the representative student. And and so we're going to try and do this in a way where... Uh, you know this—it's it, more of a conversation than a lecture, and so a lot of that's going to fall on on Doug. In general, Doug's going to be kind of going into this uh, a little bit cold. He has this—you know—in some ways it seems like a great opportunity, and it also seems like the a uh, truly terrible situation, right? Where you get one-on-one <laughs> attention from the professor right but you're also continually under the gun in terms of cold calling and being the being the guy that also has that always has to respond
1: yeah Mike loves to put me on the spot uh, when we're doing these things and ask me questions that I'm not prepared for so uh, just want to let you guys know in advance I'm doing the best as I can as a representative of you all the class
0: okay and and so in terms of what you should get My goal in this for the students is that you get a high level appreciation for managing fandom in sports, meaning that the goal is to help see the big picture. You know what we're not going to do in here? I'm not going to teach regression. We're not going to spend time uh, teaching programming languages in terms of R or Python. You know, for the budding sports analytics person, that stuff's incredibly important, but it's not, that just doesn't fit into this uh, podcast format. In terms of, let's say, prereqs on something like this, you know, if you got some mathematical training, you know, the basic statistics, that's great. That will help you out some in terms of you'll, you'll understand, you'll understand uh, the material in, a let's say, multiple levels. If you don't have that, then I think what this course is about is really a starting point, something to get you started, to sort of see the big picture so you can figure out where to go to next. Uh, in terms of our expectations of the students, uh, frankly, Doug, uh, my expectations are not much at this point. That's what I like to hear. But they're not much because this is something that we're figuring out, right? We, we want you guys to talk to us, especially via the blog, uh, via things like Twitter. But we're not sure how this is going to go. I mean, I, I've got real ambitions for this. I would love to see this develop to being something where we were giving a certificate from the marketing analytics center. But at this point, you know, my biggest expectations from the students is that you guys engage with us as most as much as possible.
1: Yeah. So I would throw out our Twitter handle is at Fanalytics Mike, at Fanalytics Mike. And uh, for those of you that prefer to communicate that way or, or want to supplement, you know, blog communications with that as well, you know, Mike and I will be open to any comments, uh, critiques of, of me as a student, <laughs> or Mike as the professor, or, uh, or questions that you may have through Twitter.
0: Okay, that leads us to the point in every class where we move towards the wrap-up, and part of that is almost always, part of that is usually about preparation for next time. And so this give you guys a little bit of a flavor for preparation for this course from a class-to-class basis. So here are your assignments. Number one, I would like listeners to Google the following phrase, intense sports fan. This is amazing, Doug, isn't it? This level of homework.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is some high level stuff. Absolutely.
0: And number two, take a moment and reflect on your personal sports fandom. Think about how it started and how it has evolved. So take a second and and think back about how you became the sports fan that you are currently. Um, What is actually memorable? I mean, so it's a small task of reflection. So, you know, over the next two episodes or classes, we're going to spend some time talking about the fundamentals of fan psychology, really kind of building this foundation. So it'd be helpful if you guys would think some about how you got to where you're at who was important in your fandom? What moments were important? So, like I said, um, this, the podcast version of this course is not coming with, uh, you know, it should be nothing but kind of a pleasure to do the homework.
1: Yeah, that that works for me. That's my kind of homework as well.
0: Okay. And not to sort of do overkill on this, but the other homework for each and every episode of the class will be that we're going to ask you guys to engage. Um, so this is a passion project for myself i think it is for doug as well this is something we really care about so we want to hear from you guys but even more to that you know we're putting this out there as an experiment we want to learn from the marketplace on this one and so any help that you guys can give us in terms of engagement and support is going to be incredibly appreciated you know, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a class. Take a look at the blog on a regular basis so you see not just material related to the class, but also some of the other sports analytics topics we are covering. You know, and as part of that, also say this, engage with the learning community. And even as I put that phrase out there, that one sounds tough to me. That just sounds like something that would be said on, on campus and might sound kind of strange to real world people out there. But what I mean by that is, you know, when we have a, a blog entry devoted to each class session, you know, make the effort to, to put some comments out there. You know, let us know what you guys are thinking, uh, what you're enjoying, um, what you're not enjoying. Um, like I said, beta version. Love you guys. We want to do the, the right thing. We want, to, we want to make this big and we want to make this great. Help us get there.
1: Yeah, and another thing is we want to help as many people as possible that are interested in in this line of work or this career, um, and so all the engagement helps us reach those people.
0: Yeah, and th- and this is um, and th- this will be the last word until uh, till class number two, but think back to you know maybe the the best question of today was when Doug brought up the issue of salary caps and how that made the professor myself uh, go down the path of how. You know, what we would really like to do as this plays out, you know, maybe we go from a podcast where, where we've got eight episodes of sports analytics to something that starts to approach a full a full curriculum. So, you know, help us create kind of this win-win situation where uh, we can build this into something where we can uh, provide even more value to you guys. So until next class called The Framework, later.